Praise the Lord. Father, again, we pray and we ask for your blessing. Lord, as we speak your word, we pray, God, that your heart would flow through my lips. Lord, as your pastor and to your church, Lord, that you are building. And we thank you for the word that you've given us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to preach to you this morning on this subject. And this is the victory. I will build my church. In the first epistle of John, chapter 5, in verse 1, the Bible declares, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? The word victory and the word overcometh are synonymous. They're the same. It both mean to conquer, to prevail. It means that God wants us to be victorious. It's concerning Christians holding their faith and holding on to their faith even in the hour of adversity. Jesus came to the disciples one day in Matthew 16 and verse 18. And he said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I would build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In the Greek, the word Peter meant small stone, small rock. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that you also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Peter and the apostles were the foundation of the church. They were small stones, like we are, that God has added through the years But the book of Deuteronomy tells us something very illuminating. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4, it says this, He is the rock. Look at the word. He is the rock, capital R. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Everything is built on Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the stumbling block for those that don't accept the word of God. God says that we are lively stones. What does that mean? It means to live and breathe and be among the living, not lifeless, having God. If you notice, there's a vast difference between people that know the Lord and people that don't know the Lord. It seems like people that don't know the Lord have that look on their face, like they're wandering in the wilderness, not knowing where they're going. They're down, they're out, they're depressed, they're downcast all the time. The Bible tells us that this word, lively stones, means to enjoy real life. To enjoy real life, freedom, liberty. To be active and to be blessed. To be endless in the kingdom of God. It means having the living water and the power of the Almighty. It means to be in full vigor, to be fresh, to be strong, to be efficient. There's a difference between those that are Christians and those that are not Christians. Yes, we have problems. 
Yes, we have difficulties. Yes, we have adversities. But God does promise victory. God does promise that we can overcome. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Again, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, He is the rock. I'd like to read you a, a commentary on He is the rock by uh, the Matthew Henry concise commentary. It says this, He is a rock. This is the first time God is called so in Scripture. The first time that God is called a rock is in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. The expression denotes that the divine power, faithfulness, and love, as revealed in Christ and the gospel, form a foundation which cannot be changed or moved, on which we may build our hopes of happiness. And under his protection, we may find refuge from our enemies in all of our troubles as the rocks in those countries sheltered people from the burning rays of the sun and from tempests or from fortresses from the enemy. What's God saying? He's our refuge. He's our fortress. He's our shelter. He's our high tower. He's the one that we run to. You see, the world, they run to their gods. The world runs to their pleasures. The world runs to their medications. The world runs to those things that will try to soothe what they're going through. But we run to our God. Yes, we have issues, just like anyone else. But we can bring our troubles to someone. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 7, casting all of our cares upon Him because He cares for us. We don't have to depend on the pleasures of the world. We don't have to depend on the lusts of the world. We don't have to depend on things that try to tranquilize us in this world. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the love and affection that King David had for the house of God. You see this morning, my friends, we are privileged to be in the house of God. We are privileged to be here, assembled together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are the household of God. We are the household of faith. We are the family of God. And we are the family of God because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I want to read to you in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 1. The Bible says this, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God had chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones and of divers colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver, to overlay the walls of the house withal, the gold for things of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artifice. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Question. What is David saying here? David was preparing the future. 
You see, we're going to see that David wanted to build the house of God. But God puts limits on man. God allows men and women to go so far. And then God says, now this is going to happen in its place. David had a great desire and affection for the house of God. We also should have such a great desire and affection for the house of God. This is our place of refuge. This is our place of safety. This is our place of love. This is our place of truth. This is the place that you can come to an open altar and you can pray and you can seek God. You can laugh. You can cry. You can be in sorrow. You can be in joy. And no one is going to judge you. And no one is going to make fun of you. But we will surround you with the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to help you get through whatever you need to get through this morning. Can you say amen? Amen. David was inspiring. David inspired his leaders. And I desire to do that as a pastor, to inspire people in the house of God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 6, then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly. And gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams, and of silver 10,000 talents, and of brass 18,000 talents, and 100,000 talents of iron. Verse 8, And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced. For that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. You see, we have to inspire each other. We have to motivate each other in Christ. We have to provoke, as it says in Hebrews, each other to love and to good works. This was affection for God's house because they knew that the Shekinah glory of God would fall. They knew that the glory of God would fall. They knew that the mighty power of the Almighty God would fall in their midst. That people fell out in the spirit by the power of Almighty God. No one even touching them, but falling over into the power of Almighty God. And God was going to preserve His spirit at that time in a tabernacle, in a building. But no longer does God preserve His spirit in a building. He preserves His spirit within people. The Bible says that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask according to the power that worketh in us. We have deity in us. We have praise in us. We have honor for God in us. We have celebration in us. We have the power of the Almighty. The same power that rose Christ from the dead is the same power, praise God, hallelujah, that's in you today. The same power and Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus in the Jordan River is the same exact power of the Holy Spirit that's come upon the church. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. David, when he brought his gifts to the house of God, inspired the leaders to do the same, he did something that was prolific. He started to praise God and pray. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 10, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And said, Blessed be thou, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that's in heaven and in the earth is thine. 
Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. What was David saying? He was starting to praise God and worshiping God for the power that God gave them to give their wealth to the house of God. And you know, I'm not talking about money here this morning. You know me, I'm not that type of a preacher. But here's what I'm saying. David was so humbled and he said, God, who am I to even give this to you? Who am I that I can even offer this to you? Who am I? But David realized who he was in God. He realized who he was in Christ. He realized who he was in the Almighty. And listen, without God, we are nothing. But with God, we're strong men and women. With God, we can stand tall. With God, we are mighty and strong. With God, we prevail. With God, like Jacob, when God changed Jacob's name to Israel, he said, you prevail with man and you prevail with God. You have favor with God and favor with man. You have power with God and power with man. And that's exactly what God wants to do with the church. He wants to prevail in our lives. And we say, who am I? But God says, listen, who am I? He says, I'm the one that rose from the dead. And I'm the one that lives in you. And you live by the faith of the Son of God. That's who we are today. We are the church. We are the people of God. We are the Christians. We are the ordained. We are the holy priesthood. Don't you ever forget that. None of us deserve it. But because of God's love and God's grace and mercy, he plucked you out of that world and said, daughter, I'm going to put my mark on you. Son, I'm going to put my mark on you. Little boy and girl, I'm going to put my mark on you. And that's exactly what God is doing. Praise God. What a prayer that was that David prayed. It's the prayer for our church. This is who we are and all we are because of God. Let us willingly offer ourselves to God. Look what it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 15. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O oh Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house for thine holy name cometh out of thine hand and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now I have seen with joy the people which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imaginations of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee and give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes and to do all these things and to build the palace for which I have made provision. You know what God was saying? He was saying, David, you're a great king. And David, you have messed up. You have done things that weren't pleasing to God. But you are a man after my own heart. 
Because the difference between you and King Saul, you came and you bowed and you asked me not to take thy Holy Spirit from me. Yes, you did sinful activities. But you see, when we come to God in a humble fashion and we bow our knee to the Lord, God is able to erase and eradicate and take away, praise God, not only the sin, but the shame and the guilt and all of that stuff that goes with it. And under the blood of Jesus Christ, puts it in the sea of forgetfulness. David is one humble human being. He's the king of Israel. He's the most powerful man in the world. But he knows who gives him breath. And he knows where his wealth comes from. He knows who wakes him up in the morning. And when he gets up, he praises God. And he gives God honor and glory like we did here this morning. We praise God. We raise our voices. We raise our hearts to God. Mind, body, soul, and spirit. And say, God, thank you for what you've given us. Thank you that Lord... Lord God, we're vertical. Thank you we can praise you. Thank you, oh God, that all of our wealth comes from thee. Thank you you've blessed us. Thank you we're not in a hospital this morning. Thank you we're not in a wheelchair. Thank you we can walk, oh God. Thank you we can see and we can hear. Thank you we can praise you from the depths of our heart. We will do the work of God as a group here in this church as we come together because this is God's desire you see it says in 1st Chronicles 28 and 20 and David said to Solomon his son be strong and of good courage and do it fear not nor be dismayed for the Lord thy God even my God will be with thee he will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And behold, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. And there shall be with thee for all manner of workmanship, every willing, skillful man, for any manner of service. Also the princes and all the people will be holy at thy commandment. What was God saying to his son? This didn't just happen. Solomon wasn't just going to wake up one day and do this. David was preparing his whole life for this moment. David was preparing his whole life, or should I say, God was preparing David his whole life for this moment. To speak to his son. To speak to the church. And to say, we as a people have laid the foundation. Our posterity, one day of Jesus tarries, will continue what we have begun here. The foundation that God has built. The foundation that God is raising up and the people, the lively stones. And David is so passionate because his desire was to build the house of God. But God said no. You see, we have to look at limits. We have to look at limits. Everyone has limits. And what do I mean? We have to stay within our calling. We have to stay within our talents. We have to stay within our gifts. And when we go outside of those gifts and go outside of those talents, we're not really working together as one. 
If everyone would do their gift or gifts or whatever God has given them for the house of God, it will work in unity. It will work in sync. It will inspire one another. And not only will it inspire one another, but it will inspire those that are coming forth as youngsters. It will inspire young folks to say, we need to continue this tradition. Because folks, where will we go? What will we do without Christ? Where would we go? Our blood-bought church, our blood-bought brothers and sisters are our family for eternity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I don't think people really have an appreciation for what God has done for us. Blood-bought. We're brothers and sisters. We're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. We are his people. The ordained of God that have been ordained to overcome in the last and final hour. God was preparing his son Solomon for the future. That the house of God will continue. That the power of God will continue to fall and that people will be blessed. 1 Corinthians, excuse me, Matthew 16 and 19. God has given keys to the church. God has given us power over the enemy. God has given us keys to the kingdom of heaven. Here's what the word says. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God gives us power. And the church isn't using its power. The sleeping giant needs to wake up. It's the greatest force in America. It's the greatest inspirational movement in America if the sleeping giant would wake up. If men behind the pulpit would preach the word of God. If people would stand on their feet and worship their God as they did in the Old Testament. The Pentecostal church began in the Old Testament. The people praised God. The people worshiped God. The people were fully out in the spirit under the power of Almighty God. This is not something that we invented. This is the posterity was passed on from the Old Testament into the New. It was the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night in the Old Testament. But now we have the power of the Holy Spirit that has fallen upon the church on the day of Pentecost. God has given us the victory. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory means to utterly vanquish the enemy. We're not appropriating our rights. We're not appropriating our standing. We're not appropriating our authority that Christ has given us. We take slaps in the face. We have a doormat that says... Slap me, you're welcome. Instead of saying, wait a minute. We are the game changers. We are the difference makers. We are God's people. And God's people have always prevailed when they humbled themselves before God and said, God, have mercy on us and let your power reign so that you receive the glory, honor, and praise. It's time to sing the victory. Psalm 98 and verse 1 says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. What's God saying? Sing, rejoice, praise God, raise your voices to God. God wants to have your voice open. God wants your heart open and your mouth open. The devil wants to shut your mouth. 
That's why people are so shut up. That's why people have so many layers that have to be uncovered because of their timidity, because of their fear, because they're afraid to allow God to peel the onion that has so many layers. And they hold on to the onion like it's a God. They hold on to their inferiority like it's a God. They hold on to their self and their will like it's God. And God says, give it up. Are we going to die that way? Are we going to die and bury the big onion in the ground? Are we going to cremate the big onion? If you want an onion, go to Applebee's and get one of those blooming onions. They're really good. But you can eat that and consume that and it's gone. But people are walking around with their onions. And they're holding on to it. Listen, it's time that God be allowed into our lives to invade our temple and help us to overcome and get the victory over those things that are holding us back. Are you hearing what God is saying? The Lord says, sing unto the Lord. Who is the Lord? He's Jehovah. He's the existing one, the one who saved you, the one who liberated you, the one who delivered you, the one who gave you the victory over sin. And what does he say? Sing a new song. Something fresh. Something to renew yourself. Something that will repair. The word actually in Hebrew, new song, means a new thing. Something fresh. Something that will renew yourself. It actually means to repair. Do you realize the whole mood of your home can change in a moment of a twinkling of an eye? When you put on music that's anointed by God. You could be going through a very trying moment. You could be going through a moment of discouragement and dismay. But as soon as you put on some good music, all of a sudden the atmosphere begins to change and God begins to renew you and God begins to repair your soul and your spirit that's been torn asunder. Listen to what God is saying. For he has done marvelous what? Things. The word marvelous means wonderful surpassing, extraordinary, to be beyond one's power, to be difficult to do on your own, to be difficult to even understand on your own. But God is able to do marvelous things in our life. Listen, look at your life, what it was, and look at what your life is now. It's a totally different Praise God biography. It's a totally different posture. It's a totally different operating image. It's a totally different life. You are now a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Become old things have become new. Sometimes we don't relish in the fact and the reality of the word of God that I am somebody in Christ. I am somebody. God loves me. It doesn't matter if anyone else loves me. Oh, I love the love of people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to minimize that. But if no one else loved me, I know one thing. God loves me. And God thought so much of me in sin. And thought so much of me while I was in captivity. That he came, praise God, and broke the veil. 
and came and was born of a virgin and died on the cross, a cruel death, and rose again on the third day for me, praise God, that my sins could be forgiven and that his blood and torturous body would hang on that cross, praise God. But on the third day, praise God, he rose again. Hallelujah. For me and for you, I should praise him. I should give him honor. I should give him glory. I should exalt the name of our God. What does he say? Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Let God repair you. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand, praise God, and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. Praise God. You know what that means? He defends us. He delivers us. He preserves us. And he rescues us. Praise God. Like he did the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. Like he rescued Daniel in the lion's den. Oh my God. God wants to rescue us. We need to give him that opportunity in our life. Our problems, our difficulties, our challenges are just opportunities for God to do marvelous things in our life. (laughs) And if you look back on your resume as a child of God, my, I tell you, he's brought you through many storms, many trials and tempests. He has sheltered you from the sun and from the enemy. He has put you in the cleft of the rock and he has kept you safe all these years. We may get tired at times, my friends, and we may even get weary, but don't drop your sword. Listen to what the word says. In 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 10, and he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword and the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together in a troop where was a piece of ground of lentils. And all the people fled from the Philistines. But Shammah, a man of God, he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. We are the Shamans of today. You listen to me. They were trying to take his garden of food. They were trying to take his lentil patch that he prepared the soil, that he planted, that he pulled weeds from. And the Philistines wanted to come and steal his food for his family. And a lot of Israelites fled from the Philistines because they were fearful and they were afraid. But not Shammah. He gathered his sword. You see what God is saying? Yeah, we may get tired and we may get weary, but don't drop your sword. You know what he was saying? I'll defend my ground. I'll defend my garden. I'll defend my food. I'll defend my lentils. But you know what he was saying more than that? I will defend my house. I will defend my posterity. I will defend my children. I will defend my grandchildren. You might come, Philistine, and you might knock on my door, but God said, I will build a church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Praise God. We are the people of God. We are the shamas in the last day. We hold the sword of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God in our hand and in our hearts. Can you say amen this morning? We have victory of overcomers and more than conquerors. The Bible said in John 6.33, For the bread of God is, is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. That bread came down from heaven and gave us life. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 says this, To him that overcometh, that's us, victory, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as also I overcame, and am set down with my Father in his house. Think about what God is saying in the book of Revelation. When you think you're a nobody... And you think you're insignificant. And you refer yourself to a speck of sand somewhere on the beach. Shame on me and you. For referring to ourselves in a way that God does not refer to us. (laughs) If we could only see. If we can only understand how much God loves me and you. If we can only understand how much God loves his church because he died for the church. He died for the fivefold ministry. He died for the body of Christ. He died that we might have life. John said in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 2, he says, And I saw and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. The kings of this world think they've got it all figured out. The committees, the politicians, the judges, the dictators, they think they've got it all figured out. But one day, God will come back riding on that horse. The Bible says in Romans 8.37, it says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, Paul said, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. The only thing that can separate you from God is yourself. Because God will prevail against every other thing that comes against you to preserve you. For that great day. Listen. Revelation chapter 17 verse 14 reads this. These, us, shall make war with the lamb. Excuse me. The enemy will make war with the lamb. And the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and kings of kings. And they that are with him, that's us, are called and chosen are faithful. Listen to how God refers to you. We will come back, praise God, in that great battle of Armageddon. When the blood will be up to the bridle of the horse. And we will ride on white horses, praise God. And he that is faithful and true will be our leader. And he refers to us, praise God, as the called, as the chosen, as the faithful of God. We are the shamans. We are the holy priesthood. We are more than conquerors through him that loves us. I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me and he strengthens you. Psalm 44 and verse 5 says this, Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thee, through thy name, will we tread them upon that rise up against us. The church must assume their authority. This is not something you'll find in a book. This is not a how-to thing. This is not something you go to the library and find. This is the power of God that comes down from heaven. It comes through prayer, consecration, dedication. It comes through people coming together as one 
enjoying the house of God, enjoying the company of the brotherhood of Jesus and allowing God to work through us. Through thee, Lord, we will push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them upon that rise up against us. You could say the verse that I'm going to read is probably one of the most powerful verses in the Bible that I believe was given to us many years ago. The Bible says in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What's God saying? We've been through trial and tribulations. Being in the ministry over four decades, storms, battles, wars, we've been hurt. But you know what God's saying? It will not stop you. I will heal you. I will help you overcome. I'll cause you to stand in the last day and in the final hour with my strength, God says. God says, I'll give you courage. I'll give you tenacity. I'll give you perseverance. I'll help you to endure. This is what God's saying. He gives us that kind of power, praise God, to tread upon the serpents that come into our life and the scorpions that want to bite us. (laughs) What's he saying? And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The church has not seen itself in that capacity. We've watered it down in the churches. We've calmed it down. We've become nominal in our thinking. We've become nominal in our worship. And we've become, become pathetic in our preaching. Come on. I don't want to succumb to that. I don't want to be there ever. I want to have the fire of God going into the last and final hour. As the song says, the last mile of the way. Praise God. Listen to me for a few more moments. We have the victory over trials, over tribulations and afflictions. The Bible says in Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. The Bible said a righteous man will get knocked down seven times. But he'll get up. Jesus was knocked to the earth on numerous occasions. But he got up. The cross that he bore as the son of man, as the son of God, brought him to his knees. Because he was the son of man also as the son of God. And Simon of Cyrene helped him to carry that cross up that hill. Did you think not Jesus could carry the cross? Did you think not he couldn't call 12 legions of angels to help him? But he wanted to show us that sometimes life will bring us to our knees. Sometimes the cross that God allows us to bear will bring us to our knees and to tears. But there'll be a Simon of Cyrene somewhere. There'll be a brother or a sister or a loved one, a pastor or a pastor's wife, someone, 
that will take you by the right hand and say, we will go to Jerusalem together. You see, when Jesus was going to the cross, he said to the disciples, we go to Jerusalem. You see, we have to go to each other's Jerusalem. We have to go to each other's garden of Gethsemane sometimes. We have to go and sweat great tears. We have to go and have great tears coming down our face as we hold the hand of a brother or sister in the Lord to help them overcome. Because the day will come when your cross will bring you to your knees. Your cross will overcome you because we're not that strong alone. But in Christ and together, this is what David was saying. Let's build a church. Let's build a congregation, not just a building, but let us have the power of God and a generous spirit that would worship our God and honor our God and praise our God so the Shekinah glory of God would fall in our midst. This was the heart of David, and this was what he was trying to give to his son Solomon. Closing. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. But look what it says. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Many of us here in this building, all of us, have had some great afflictions in life. Great depths of sorrow. Today is my mother's birthday. January 27th. My mom's been gone for quite a few years now. But we overcame. Because I believe in my heart where my mom is this morning. My dad's been gone a long time, 1993. My father-in-law, my wife's dad, is gone. But one day, one day, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. We'll be delivered from suffering and from tears. We'll be delivered from dismay at times and discouragement, will be delivered. But in the meantime, God says, nothing will separate us from Him. And He will come in that hour with His right hand and put a new song in our heart that we can praise God and God will repair us for that moment that we can continue our journey with Christ and with Jesus and with the church. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. 2 Corinthians 10.4 For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The enemy is going to play with your mind in the last day. The battle will be here. He'll try to distract you and disturb you. And he'll try to take you away from your heavenly father. Church is so important because it keeps us accountable to each other and responsible to each other that we can check on each other and help each other across the bridges and the stony places that come in our path at times. Closing, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. We have the victory over the world and what it offers. Hear me. We have the victory over the world and what it offers. For whatsoever is born of God, that's us, 
overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. There'll be moments of temptation. There'll be moments of weakness. There'll be moments when all of us will throw up our hands and say, what's the use? It'll happen. Momentarily. Temporarily. And God will remind us. He's as close as our right hand. He's bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, we have something that the world can't give us. And we have something that the world can't take away. God is love. And God has shared his love with us. Praise God. Through his shed blood. And we have the love of God in us. And knowing that we have his love, we can and we will continue our journey in the Lord. And our mandate here is to love people to give people the truth and to help people cross the bridge they need to cross and overcome the obstacles that they need to overcome through the power and through the blood of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you and thank you for listening this morning. God bless you.